Curriculum Associates presents Extraordinary Educators with hosts Sari Labaris and Danielle Sullivan. Get ready to hear tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching, leadership, and drive student learning. We're here for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extraordinary Educator Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sari. This week, we are joined by Extraordinary Educator from Utah, Sarah English. We are so excited to talk to Sarah about all things building community and how she talks about how the brain works with her first graders and just little tips and best practices that you can do tomorrow in your classroom to really help strengthen the relationships you have with your students. Which is such an important topic. And I just think the more we can remember that the people in front of us are human and we want to make sure that they feel safe and included and valued and affirmed because no learning can occur if students don't feel safe or part of a community. So I just love that we're talking with Sarah about this. I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important at this time of school year, based on what you just said, right? Like building that foundation of trust. And I think what's great about Sarah's best practices is that sometimes you think about um, building community and in your head, you're thinking of these activities that require materials and prep and and a lot of time, but the way that Sarah incorporates this into the systems in her classroom really are just simple things that that don't take a lot of time, but are, are truly valuable. So here is our conversation with Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. We are so excited to have you here and speak with you today. So if you don't mind just starting off introducing yourself to our listeners, that would be great. Sure. Um, my name is Sarah English. I teach first grade in Monticello, Utah. Uh, This is my eighth year teaching. I taught for two years and then I took 16 years off and I had my family and I came back um, six years ago and I've taught before, before I had my children, I taught preschool and kindergarten. I came back and I taught fourth grade, a couple years in fourth grade, a couple years in third grade. And this is my second year in first grade. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Uh, So we're so excited to have you on the podcast. And I had a chance to actually, Sarah and I both had a chance to meet you in person, which was so exciting this summer. So speaking of all of that, I want to know how's your school year starting and how are you building community with your students, given the uncertainty of the last couple of years? Oh, sure. So um, I've been thinking a lot about that as school gets started. Um, Some things that have really been important to me and some things that have really worked. And, and I've thought about our experiences in Boston. And I think back when we were in Boston and then when, when I was attending my, my back to school district meeting, um, you know, it's interesting, but I kept thinking, Oh, I hope they notice me. I hope they know my name. I hope that they want to talk to me. I hope they're interested in something I say. And, and I take that back to students. Um, Every day, I think, I think one of the main, I, main, sorry, one of the main things that is most important in building community is every day, looking the kids in their eye, in the eye, and just saying their name and talking to them for just a second. Um, one of the things I've really enjoyed doing the past four years of my teaching is greeting kids at the door, and it's it's really cute for first graders. Um, and this is. This is nothing original, but there, I just have a little choice board on the outside of my door and kids get to choose how they greet me when we come in. 
So are they going to give me a high five? Are they going to give me a hug? Are they going to give me a fist bump? Are they going to wave? Are we going to say hello to each other? Are we going to do a dance? And that is super cute. When I was teaching third grade, I wasn't sure how third graders would really react to that. I had, I had a third grader at the time and I didn't, I, I knew he wasn't super up for giving his teacher a hug first thing in the morning. And so when, when I had my third graders, the greeting as they came in is we'd all shake each other's hand. We'd come in and we'd shake each other's hand and we'd say good morning and would kind of have a 10 second catch up and they'd go in and they'd get started on their day. With my first graders, they really love the, the little bit more interactive choice choices that they have as they come in. And I actually have a story about that that I was thinking about. Um, last year, I had a little girl and she moved into, into our town. Um, and I live in a super small town. Um, but she moved in right before Christmas, a couple of weeks before Christmas. And so, you know, so she came in and all the kids were doing their choices. And she was just looking at me as she came in, like, what do you want me to do? And and so, you know, we I just gave her a wave and kind of brought her into the classroom, explained how it, it worked. And for the first month or so, she would just look at me like, I don't know that I want to talk to you yet. She was really shy. She just wasn't wasn't sure what was happening. The move was different. She moved from a big city to a sm tiny, tiny town. And um, anyway, so as the time went on, she came in and she, she started to say, okay, I'll, I'll wave to you, you know, because before she wouldn't even choose that. She'd just give me a big stare and I'd say, hello, I'd say her name and kind of welcome her in. And she just would walk in like, don't look at me. <laughs> and, and as time progressed, she, it was, it was probably about February that every morning she'd come in and she'd just give me a giant hug. And I thought, okay, I won her over. She's, she's comfortable in our class. She's happy to be here. She's got, she's got that. And, and so I think one of the main points about community is just remembering people's names and looking at them and just, just that little bit of a catch up. Um, another thing that I, that I've been thinking about is as I've learned our school, our state, and I think it's pretty big throughout America, people are starting to really learn about how the brain works and how it works in education. And that's, that's coming into educators' lives. And so last year I was taking classes and learning about a lot of that. And so I would, I'd have to have a sub. And so when I came back, I'd tell my students about what I'd learn and then we'd go on our way. And I had one little guy and he, he's the little guy who struggles he struggled with reading. He struggled with math. And he and, and it wasn't because he was bad at it. It was because he didn't get it the first time. And then he shut down. And I would go and I would talk with my team. I talked with administrators. We had, we had a team with the district, the district early literacy and early math coach. And we're just like, what are we going to do? He shuts down. He puts his head on the table. And he's done. How are we going to work with this kid? And so I remember after one of my, um, my classes um, on, on this, how our brain works, I came back and I was talking to my students about how our brain works and how the signals go from here and they have to go to here and they have to go to here. And it takes a long time. 
And, and so sometimes our brain, and I don't know if this is the most scientific way to, to explain it or not, but it worked for my kids, you know, and how we're building shortcuts in our brain. And we have to do something over and over and over again to build those shortcuts. But sometimes our brain and our eyes don't want to work together. And so this little guy would look at a word and he's trying to learn to decode it. And he'd look at the first letter or the second letter and he'd just guess. And generally he was wrong, right? And so we talked about how your brain thinks it knows it so much that it's, it's just it's just jumping right in. He's like, I know, I know, I know, I know what to do. And your brain and your your brain and your eyes aren't working together. And we talked about that and letting him off the hook, like putting that emphasis of this is just how your brain works. It's not a big deal. It's not that you're dumb. It's not that you don't know how to do this. It's not that you can't learn. It's that your brain and your eyes need to work together. Let him off the hook. And it was one of those really amazing differences. You know, he's, he's, he's going in thinking, I just don't know how to do this. And I'm not even going to try because I don't know how to do it. And then he went from being able to say, oh, yeah, right. And, and we would do funny things like I'd look him in the eye and I'd say, you know, kid, I'd say his name and I'd be like, you've got to let your brain and your eyes work together. And he'd be like, oh, yeah. And so he'd stop and it'd take another minute and he'd, he'd look at it and he started really getting it because he wasn't so worried that he was a bad kid or a dumb kid. And so as far as community goes, I think it's really important to let kids know that their body and how their body and their brain work together to learn and that when they don't get something right away, it's okay. And it was hard for him because he had friends who got things really easy. And we all have that, right? We all have people around us who get something so easy and it makes it so we feel like it's me, right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the not great one here. And, and so helping him understand that brought a new light to his eyes and, and he felt so much more comfortable in our class then because we were all talking about it. We all knew nobody was thinking he was the dumb one. We were all thinking, oh, this is our brain. This is how our brain works. And so it was, it was really awesome. Um, I'm just going to stop you right there for a second because yeah, you just gave us so, so much. So first of all, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing the two stories of your students. And I think you've shared some really great um, replicable best practices from greeting kids at the door to ensuring they have a choice to just making sure that that we're looking at our students in the eye and saying their name. So thank you for all of that wisdom and little pieces. And I think one thing that I was thinking about throughout your your two stories and all of the other great um, tidbits you added in there is just consistency and patience, right? It sounds like you are with 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 your with the little girl you explained like every day you just still did the same thing and eventually it, it clicked with her and and same with your other student and that we just have to give ourselves and our students grace. And I also love how you you kind of um like zoomed out for a second and taught that other student like such an important life lesson that I think not every adult even has the capacity to understand right so so to to take the blame off of himself and understand that like this is what I need to do here's a strategy I can use and and it really helped him succeed so thank you so much for sharing those Sarah you bet I would love to know <clears throat> I would love to know what 
brain class did you take and what part of the, like, what's, if, if other educators are interested in reading some of the brain science, and I love the way that you actually talked about the brain science to first graders, you didn't dumb it down at all. You did, it's, it's important to explain that already it's students, kindergartners, first graders to understand that their brain is working a certain way and everyone's brains are different. So it's totally okay. And I love that because it, 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 it dissociates like the I'm bad to, oh, it's just, this is the way the brain works. And if I'm going to learn, that makes sense. So do you have a favorite book or research that other, that we could link in the show notes that um, you want to just share with other educators? Well, so um, the state of Utah came uh, came out last year at the beginning of the year and kind of surprised all of us educators and said all educators K through three had to take the letters course. So it's it's part of the letters course in um, learning about they don't come out and say science of reading, mm -hmm. but that's kind of the new buzzword. Yes. And um, and so part of that, especially in the beginning of it, talked a lot about how the brain works. And I thought back. Gosh, when I was in college, which was admittedly a long time ago, but even through my master's degree that I got just a couple of years ago, we didn't ever talk about how the brain works with kids that I remember. Maybe I did. Maybe I was sleeping in class that day. I don't know. But it was really fascinating to me. And, you know, I kind of went into the mandated training because it's a two year, two years worth of mandated training. Right. And I thought, really, you're going to add more to our plates. But after I kind of got through the, through the, I don't want to be here state and started learning a lot of those things, I thought it was really interesting and really prevalent. And it's, it's been something that I can immediately implement into my classroom, but the brain research, I think it's, it's just all over. And um, so I don't have a favorite book and I don't have a favorite place for it. But I know I, as, as I kind of learned about it, that I know I started noticing it all over the place and I, and, you know, so it's, it's out there and it talks a lot about it. And what I talked the most about with my students was really that making shortcuts, how our brain has to process, it sees something, it has to take a step and it has to process it and then we can speak it. But um, until we make a shortcut from seeing it, and being able to speak it, that our brain still has to go through all three of those steps before we are, are able to do that and, and learning to make those shortcuts. And that's, it was great because then I could say, this is why we're practicing. This is why we're reading the same thing so many times. Or this is why we're practicing math facts so many times. Yes, I know we learned that in September and that's why we're still going over it in January and March and April, it's because our brains are just solidifying those paths. And we draw, I, I draw pictures of it. You know, I'm definitely not an artist, but I would say I'd draw a little blob and I'd say, this is your brain and these are your eyes and this is your mouth. And this is what the information has, it has to go through. And, and they were able to get it, you know, they understood it and it made sense to them and it, and it helped them understand the process of learning and, and I feel like it helped them be a little bit more invested in their own education. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing all of that. And for the listeners out there, Sarah just gave you some real, real tactical, practical ways of implementing the science of reading. Because again, as um, sometimes we talk about education, buzzwords turn into 
they die in on posters, <laughs> right? Did you see Scarborough's rope in the science of reading? You're saying we are actually not biologically wired for reading. You can't just read through osmosis. You actually, there's explicit foundational systematic skills that need to be taught that our brains need to literally be taught how to decode, how to read. Um, we are actually more wired for math, which is another misconception for a lot of people. But uh, if you're interested in more of the science of reading, we can link some stuff in the show notes that we have done around the science of reading. But I just love, Sarah, how you really brought it to the simple thing is our brains all work differently and we need a little time and you're not going to get it right away. And this stuff is hard, but if we work together, then we'll get it. So just thank you for sharing all of those stories. You bet. Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much. Um, and that is all we have time for today to talk about building community. You provided so much important information. So once again, we, we're we're truly grateful for that. We are going to transition now to a new segment uh, called Ask an Extraordinary Educator. So folks write in questions, Sarah, and we picked oh. one to ask you. So are you ready? <laughs> uh, sure. All right, here we go. Hello, Extraordinary Educator Podcast. I'd love to hear about how you recommend I get to know my students. My district is very strict about instructional time and how we spend our days in the classroom. How do I build relationships with them without compromising lesson time? I feel like I don't have time for all of the fun things like surveys or other big activities. Thanks from a fourth grade teacher. So I feel like you already touched upon some of your some of the, the great practices that you do, but is there anything else you do, Sarah, to uh, build relationships with your students without compromising lesson time? Sure. And, and, you know, I think that almost nothing we do as educators is original, like about everything I've gotten, I've gotten from another teacher or um, a podcast or a blog, or it's just from a different teacher. And so when I started teaching third grade, I tried to implement the, the morning meeting or the daily meeting um, in my class. Now I can't do it in the morning. I don't have time. You know, I have about five minutes before my kids head off into, and we start, we start right into our, our rotation and our schedule. But, um, but I have been able to find five, seven minutes to get into a circle. And it takes, it does take a little bit longer at the beginning because you're establishing norms, you're establishing procedures, you're establishing how to do it. But I, I ha you have a talking piece. I used Snoopy when I was in third grade. Um, this year we have a little heart and you just, pull it around and one question a day. So, you know, we start off with things like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite sport? And you can get into more things like what's, um, how do you feel about learning or anything like that? And kids, as we've practiced and as they get used to it, then having easy questions build into sometimes a little bit deeper. And we, I don't even go deeper until November. Like you don't go deep until you have some basics about them um, and giving each kid just a quick, quick opportunity to answer the question. It doesn't take long. And I think that it's one of those things that we, we hear a lot about right now uh, restorative circles, restorative practices, more, uh, you know, those kind of things. They're really nice, but they don't have to take long. And if you only do them ever when there's something heavy and deep that you need to really dig into as a class, it gets, I think it's harder because kids aren't used to it and, and they might feel a little, feel a little bit of the heaviness, but if you can start off with the light stuff and make it so you've, you've got it down to a five minute, everybody passes it around. My favorite color is blue. My favorite color is green. My, you know, and they just go around. 
we start to get, get to know each other one little question at a time. Um, I remember in third grade when I wasn't, I kind of ran out of questions myself. I'm like, all right, it's October. I don't know what else to ask him. And I just did a quick search and I found there's so many things that other teachers have made, you know, 200 questions to ask your kids in morning meeting. And so we would, I would cut those up and I'd put them in a little cup and we would just draw one every day. And, and so they really looked forward to it. They were able to get in and out. I don't think I ever spent after the first two weeks of school, I don't think I ever spent longer than 10 minutes and it averaged around five to seven minutes. And kids would go on, go around, your favorite Pokemon is this guy. That's my favorite Pokemon too. And so they would, they would be able to take those question prompts and carry them with them out to recess. It gave me an idea of things that they liked that I could implement into my lessons because um, since I live in a small community and if my, if my lesson is talking about a baseball stadium, my kids have never been to a baseball stadium. Some of them have probably watched one on TV, but then I can say, oh, well, let's, let's talk about something that you, you mentioned this morning. And I would trade out the baseball stadium for the, the, what it is that they like. It might be rodeo grounds or the fair. And we could then implement that into, into that lesson and just change that one little part of it so that they felt connected to it. But I think that's a fast, easy way. And if you give a little bit of extra time, a couple of extra minutes at the beginning, it really shaves it down to not very much time. So, so true. So many best practices and tips. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, incredibly helpful. And I'm sure the teacher who submitted that question will find that answer very fulfilling. So that is all we have time for today. Thank you again for being with us. Thank you. You can leave us a review where you listen to podcasts as it really helps us reach more educators like you and follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associate and on Instagram at MyIReady. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, want to be a guest, or have a question you want to submit, you can email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. So until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates. Editing by Danielle Sullivan, social media by At City Hannon, guest booking by Siri Liberis, music by Mark Bernstein. This podcast is copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associates and on Instagram at MyIReady and send your emails to extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. <laughs>